Welcome to the Conquer Your Battlefield podcast, where we come together to discuss some of the more significant struggles and metaphorical battlefields that we've faced along our journeys and share some insight on how we've conquered them. I'm JD McGibney, and today I'll be talking with one of the most diverse musicians I have the pleasure of knowing. A man who has been composing for TV and film for over a decade, with scores that range from delicate and emotional piano ballads to epic and action-packed themes that move you to the edge of your seat. A man who has recently won the Grimfest Award for Best Score for his work on the horror film Slapface, and is a fellow appreciator of progressive metal. Mr. Barry J. Neely. How you doing, buddy? Hello. What a gracious intro. It's got me pumped up. <laughs> awesome, man. I'm very happy to have you here. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Uh, me too. Me too. I, I look forward to what we're going to dive into. I feel like my intro there just made me sound like I was going to get pumped for talking about music, but you know, I know we're going to dive into something a little bit more special. <laughs> it also sounds like you should be wearing a cape during this interview just because you sound so like epic. You should be like the next Marvel hero. I, I have been told and living with a voice actor, I know it's definitely not enough to just have an awesome voice but uh, people compliment me on my voice and they tell me have do i do radio and i say no do you do acting and i say no and then uh, the conversation is over <laughs> <laughs> who knows what the future holds my friend but today we are going to be talking about generalized anxiety disorder according to the anxiety and depression association of america generalized anxiety disorder is characterized by persistent and excessive worry about a number of different things People with GAD may anticipate disaster and may be overly concerned about money, health, family, work, or other issues. Individuals with GAD find it difficult to control their worry. According to the Mayo Clinic, people with GAD may also show physical symptoms such as fatigue, trouble sleeping, muscle tension, muscle aches, trembling, feeling twitchy, being easily startled, sweating, nausea, diarrhea, IBS, or general irritability. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, GAD usually involves a persistent feeling of anxiety or dread that interferes with how you live your life. It is not the same as occasionally worrying about things or experiencing anxiety due to stressful life events. People living with GAD experience frequent anxiety for months, if not years, and it develops slowly. According to the ADAA again, roughly about 6.8 million adults in the United States alone are affected by generalized anxiety disorder. And of that, only about 43.2% of them receive treatment. Barry, we've known each other for a few years now, and you recently yeah. opened up to me that anxiety is something that you are familiar with and that you yourself have officially been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Yes. What was it like for you when you first realized that you weren't just worried about things and that you were in a constant balancing act with anxiety? Uh, it was a very interesting diagnosis because I couldn't tell, and I, I couldn't tell if, if my therapist at the time was, not that I didn't believe it, but it was weird to put a label on it because I kind of thought that maybe she was doing that for, I don't want to say insurance purposes because that seems weird, but like, it was weird to be like, this is probably what you have based upon only a few sessions, you know? Um, so I guess it was odd to officially define it and it's still odd. Cause I feel like I make excuses that, oh no, I'm not really like that. But then, then your descriptions kind of hit the nail on the head for a lot of things. 
you know, and you're like, oh, maybe I do, you know. It's interesting that uh, you know you're sharing like that perspective because I think you know that uh, that idea, that perspective of like it, feeling weird to put a label on on uh, the anxiety, on the feelings, on the emotions, and then be like, oh, maybe it's not this, and like you're overthinking all of it, which is already. Yeah, Already, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, that yeah. is one of the signs of, of anxiety in general. It's like, oh, you're just overthinking and analyzing all of that. Mm -hmm. um, how long ago did you get the official diagnosis? It was, uh, 14 years, probably. 2000, oh, wow. 2007, 2008. Yeah. Um, as I'm sure anybody who's navigated the therapy world, uh, at that time, I was going through something, but I was also had insurance that covered it a little bit, that covered therapy. Mm -hmm. um, I remember thinking my insurance wasn't that much, wasn't covering that much until I wasn't covered by insurance anymore. And I was like, oh, well, I'll pay you a little bit more than what, and she's like, I charged your insurance company like a few hundred dollars. In other words, like the cash value that I was actually yep. gonna pay her was like way lower than what she charged. So anyways, um, yeah, so it was, it was that long ago because that was when a therapy was readily available and affordable to me. Oh, wow. So yeah. uh, if, if I remember correctly, you that was after you moved to Los Angeles that you went and saw a therapist. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was after. Yeah, it was a few years. Funny enough, you know, because it was that long ago, it was only three or four years after I moved to Los Angeles. But in my mind, the first few years of Los Angeles was a lifetime, you know? Yeah. So well, yeah, it was only a few years. You know, moving to a new city in general. Uh, you know, the first few years that you're there, it's like, especially if it's like the, your first major move, like it's, it's a big culture shock, especially, you know, if you're, you know, a young adult and you're like coming into your own, you're not only you're, are you kind of still exploring who you are as a person and mm -hmm. as an individual, but like everything you literally know about life and how the world works is changed. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm in a completely different geographical location. So there's a lot of uh, adjustments, a lot of stress, a lot of tension. And I, I was tricked into thinking it was going to be easier for me. And the reason what I mean by that is um, I went to Emerson College and they had a huge Los Angeles program. Mm -hmm. So when I first came out to L.A., I had many, many people I already knew. And in fact, I feel like the first weekend I was here, I was already going to like three parties with a bunch of people I already knew from college. So I feel like I didn't absorb the city as so much as I felt already comfortable being there because of friends only later to realize through like seeps like, Oh, this, yeah, you actually need to make some adjustments mentally to live in the city. Oh yeah. Cause you're originally from Boston or like the Boston, Boston area. Yeah. 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 So just imagine like, imagine being in a completely different world with everybody, you know, and thinking, Oh, well, I'm not in a completely different world. Everybody I know is here. And then, <laughs> you know, and then, go through that first winter of it never becoming winter and you're like oh i don't know how to wind down what do you so mean it's, it's new year's eve and i can wear shorts what is what is this i was at the grove and it was like 80 degrees and christmas music was playing and i'm like where <laughs> okay and you know and again that's the culture shock I, I wish i had absorbed a little bit more and it's funny you saying that because that's what my first mind went to i i was tricked into thinking i wasn't somewhere i completely different <laughs> <clears throat> oh, excuse me um, so when you, uh, initially like went to therapy, you don't have to get into to details mm -hmm. if, you know, if you don't want to, uh, but did you go specifically 
because you had this overwhelming feeling of anxiety or is there something else that kind of uh triggered it was, it? So it was a family issue that 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 i i discovered or i uh learned about and that it started it started to get me on that path of oh this is more than a conversation with friends this is me needing to find professional help Gotcha. So it wasn't the anxiety at all, despite the fact that I could trace back anxious tendencies. Uh, it was more just general. I'm probably going to need help with this. It's interesting that you you went for like a, a specific instance, and and like your therapist was like, "Oh, here's something else that you should be that should be pointed out that kind of like you know uncovered uh, uncover this." Do you think? I think that relates back to the the point of you, like even now, like you said, 14 years later, it's over a decade uh, that you still like question whether or not like it's, you know, worth putting a label on it. Uh, mm. Do you feel that, do you feel that your uh, viewpoint on your, uh, your, your, your anxiety has changed at all or evolved at all since that initial uh, diagnosis? Yeah, only yes. And the reason it's changed is because I developed tools to deal with it that make me feel better. And so whenever, so it switched from, oh my gosh, I'm going to have anxiety to, oh my gosh, I'm not going to do the things that I can easily do that will make me instantly feel better about that anxiety. Interesting. Yeah. So, so, so in a way, I, I feel like I have the cure in the palm of my hand, but getting myself to take that cure is, is, is tough because it, it takes physical, not physical effort, but, um, and, and we'll get into it, I'm sure. But for instance, one of the tools is journaling. And mm. when, and I know we'll get into this, too, probably a little more as well. But when you work for yourself at home, there's something about I need to get to work right away. You know, it's that 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 push, I need to get work right away. Despite the fact I know I will get a better day's work done. If I sit down and journal for 20 minutes, I will just I will be so much more clear headed to get work done if I just do this. But that drive of just start work now is, is pretty powerful. Which right there is one of the, you know, things of anxiety where it's you have that desire, that need to, oh, I have to do this. I have to uh, feel productive. And, you know, yeah. like you pointed out, like working for yourself, being a private contractor, which, you know, you are being a composer. Uh, you know, if you're if you're not doing the work, you know, no one else is going to be doing it for you. Like you have to go yeah. out and make sure that, you know, work is coming in. Mm -hmm. So like. It's very, I very much relate to the whole, you know, like that feeling of anxiety of like, oh, I have to constantly be, be working. I have to constantly be going out and have to constantly be doing something. And, you know, sometimes because of the anxiety, you have that feeling of almost guilt of like mm -hmm. doing something oh, yeah. else that isn't like. I, the... I often say I'm fueled. I'm, I run on guilt. Ah. And it's, and it's guilt of like, I don't want to say higher power, but it, it's like a, a guilt that I've, that I've, I've imagined you know like no one's no one's making me feel guilty i always get my work done and i always get it done well you know uh but you feel like there's like this omnis um uh, you know um, omnipresent uh guy that's like you know, and, and it's, i guess it gets a little spiritual but that's how you kind of envision it like 
my anxiety and my guilt is brought upon by something that I've created, you know, that I, that I've imagined almost. I totally, I totally get it. And uh, there's no, because there's no one making me feel guilty. Yeah. (laughs) It's all, it's all inside, you know, speaking personally, like with, uh, when I'm, with my anxiety, it's, I have always described it as like a constant feeling of dread that's just always there. And like, I've gotten to a point now, especially after going to uh, therapy uh, and like seeing like a professional, like I'm able to identify like what's me, what's me being logical, what are my thoughts, mm. and then what's the mm-hmm. anxiety specifically. But then, yes. you know, there, there is those though there are those days those moments you know those weeks those months where like you know the anxiety just kind of gets more uh present feels like there is like another presence there because it's like Mm -hmm. you know for a fact it's not just you being logical and thinking and like interacting with like the world and what you want to do and what you're you're perceiving but it's like this this sense of like hey something bad's gonna happen you have to do this 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 and this and Mm -hmm. uh, you know it's it's a it's an intense uh feeling and going back to the idea of journaling or having tools in general that yeah um you know help alleviate that uh for me when i first went to see a therapist one of the things i started doing was journaling as one of the the tools and i personally found it easier to uh keep up with it um Mm. Because, you know, every week my therapist would use that as, uh, you know, guidance for like, you know, that that next session, whatever I wrote down and handed to her, like prior to whatever the session was. So I felt like I was being held accountable because like I had to yes. hand in like a homework assignment. Mm-hmm. But like when I switched therapists, when I came uh, back to Los Angeles after being in Ohio for a little bit, you know, that was not that's not how uh, the therapist that I found out here uh, works. So like I definitely <laughs> fell off the train of of journaling and i i definitely have identified okay I've, I've fallen back into you know this habit this habit and this habit and mm. again same thing with you like i recognize oh if i do this it will alleviate a lot of my my yeah. thing but like there it's that initial push of getting myself to do it and again i think and, that comes and, down to like the anxiety going hey you have to do these things well and just to backtrack on my version of journaling, because it was not, well, it was part my therapist, but it was part, there's a book called The Artist's Way mm. by Julie Cameron. And in essence, it's a 12-step program for artists. And one of the first rules of this is that every single day you need to write. And she says three pages, which I always found to be a little overwhelming. You know, sometimes the task itself is overwhelming. Um, it's, it's a lot of pages. It's a lot of pages. So I would do two, I would limit myself to two um, composition book pages. And it would just be training of thought. And the only rule is to not stop writing. That's the only rule. Interesting. And what I, and so I bought the book Artist Way in 2000, right? Around 2008, 2000, 2007, 2008. And so I started doing the morning pages on my own. Now, of course, I only made it for the first three chapters of the book. Later on, a couple of years ago, I did an online artist way course from somebody, a friend who teaches it. That was the great for the discipline act because I was journaling every day. And again, they call them morning pages journaling. 
And for those few weeks, I was feeling fantastic. And it's just, what's so interesting about it is the reason she has you write three pages is because by the second page, you start to really talk about what you're talking about. And a lot of that is discover. It's like a daily discovery that no one is pressuring you, but you. And that was huge for me to realize because I'm doing that on my own. I'm realizing, realizing that myself through my, you know, through my pen. And it's, it's amazing how you, you kind of break through your own psyche. You break through your guilt complex because you realize that there is no reason for your guilt complex. And you only discover that by physically writing out, not typing, but physically writing out your, your train of thought every day. Interesting that you point out that there's a significant difference between physically writing and, and typing. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Is, is that and something that you... Book. Really? It's in the book, and I know people, and the teacher, the teacher who taught the course, which again, I took because I needed guidance, you know, I needed to, I needed to be brought through it. And that's, that's part of, that's part of my anxiety in realizing from childhood is that I need discipline when it comes to work, but my parents weren't huge onto that, despite the fact that they were, my dad was in the public school system. He was a superintendent of schools and my mom was an, uh, an attorney. Um, so it was just very interesting that like you would think a dad at a superintendent, I would have strict rules about getting my work done, but I actually didn't. And that so I really find myself, yeah. And so I find myself making up and find and making up for lost time, like disciplining myself, which then runs into the anxiety issue. Do you, uh, do you find, when you started implementing the 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 discipline uh, the disciplinary rules for yourself, was that something that you started more recently, or like once you started going to therapy, or is something you started doing, say, like before that college it's, or whatnot? It's been it's been sporadic ever since that two thousand six two thousand seven, and I and it started from a friend who told me about the artist way, and and was much more versed in artistry in general. So it came from my friend Josie, who just kind of knew things because she actually she went to she had a master's degree in dance and, you know, and 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 um, and uh, actually she might have done her undergrad in dance and her, uh, her master's and something else. But the point is, is that she studied artistry and I didn't. So it was through conversations with her. But executing those strategies has always been my weak point. Gotcha. So, yeah, so the, the, the motivation now has to come from me and, and, or the goal, you know, knowing that the goal and the outcome is going to be, I'm going to feel better. I have a question because uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of what you're sharing sounds like it's very much uh, focused and relating to uh, work and, and being an artist and being a composer and finding some sort of balance and holding yourself accountable to be, you know, a professional artist in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you feel that there was this feeling of anxiety before you started down this career path or like, say when you were like oh, yeah. in oh, college, yeah. oh, high yeah. school, even like when you were in like a little kid? No, I mean, the little kid is the, the thing. Like for instance, um, I wasn't a big reader when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I specifically remember 
not spacing out the reading that I would have to do for a book report. So I remember like I would have like an intense emotional dread of a weekend because I knew the book report was due on Monday and I had barely started the book. Gotcha. So instead of like being able to pace myself and start reading it a little bit at a time before that, I, it was like, oh, I got to read this all in one weekend. Now, I don't know, you know, because when you're a kid, like I can't, I can't tell you how long about the books I was, you know, I'm talking about, like they could have been a hundred pages maybe. And like right now it would seem ridiculous, but at the time it was such an overwhelming task. Yeah. Cause and like I when you're a little kid, you're just like, oh my God, I have to read this whole thing. It doesn't matter what, if it is tiny, yeah. when you ha when you frame it, like I have to read the whole thing in a weekend, thing. you know, it's, you're just and, like, oh my and God. I, and that's what I can pinpoint. So it's like, it's just ob objectively, it's just me getting work done that I don't necessarily want to do. Now, that's a lot of work in general. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, the anxiety has always kind of been there. No, so, sorry. Yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, no, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, well, I was just going to say there's a difference between the task. The task is easy if you just have to read a book, you have to read it. Okay, then you had to write a report about it. But with music, there is no task. You know, it's the task is so general. The task is write something happy, write something that fits the scene, right? Uh, you know what I mean? It's it, it's not laid out for you um, unless you're just copying somebody else. So you go from the task being very specific to the task being very general, which brings on kind of a different set, a different feeling of anxiety. Yeah, because when when you have when you have uh, the freedom to like create something, you know, it's like oh, I have freedom to create something. But then there's also that added anxiety pressure of like, what do I create? Like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're an artist, you know, you sometimes have that uh, that feeling of writer's block. So like, if you're writing something for yourself, it's like all right, well, there's no real pressure. But if you're writing for a client, it's like well, I don't have the luxury of having writer's block. So there is that added anxiety <laughs> exactly. of like, oh, I have to get this done. So I, I totally see the link between, you know, being a little kid and having to get that book report done, you know, over the weekend and be like, oh, I have like severe fucking writer's block and uh, I got to get this thing done over the weekend. And especially because you then add in the factor of I need to please the client. You know, where it's like, not only do I have to get it done, I have to get it done where they're going to be happy. And, and music is not a direct art. So because I think something is exactly what they want doesn't mean they're going to think that. So you have the added anxiety of it also might not be good enough, you know, and, and that brings its whole you know that bring i don't know if that brings a whole nother element but all this is like anxiety stacked on other anxieties yeah because if you have a client you one you want them to like it because you want them to a hire you back again or uh -huh. you want them to give you a positive referral to you know lead in other clients this way again there's more work so there's like that added uh pressure of uh of anxiety uh i do want to talk about um that 
in you know was it the other day you and i were talking you said you went on a, a little bit of a, a vacation because you're like you recognize that you needed to have some barry time you needed a barry day where you're just like you know what screw it i'm not doing work i'm not doing anything just i'm gonna go off and you know have a biking adventure no mm -hmm. one talked to me you know i'm i'm, I'm out of here but you said that you felt a sense of guilt taking that time off to kind of just have that mental reset and you even ended up doing some work related stuff so like how is it what is it like for you when you actually recognize that you need to have those those barry days those those resets and then how do you uh deal with the kind of displacing or like uh disarming that sense of guilt so that comes from i went on a bike trip on a tuesday and a wednesday after a three-day weekend so already you have this well i just had a weekend barry so why do you need more of a weekend everyone would like more of a weekend so you kind of have and that's why i mean anxiety based on, on anxiety is that there's the regular anxiety of i'm missing out on 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 work i could be doing for a project i haven't finished yet then you have the that feeling of guilt of like, hey, back in, you know, over the weekend, I could have probably done a little bit of that work, but I was also doing other things. And then you have the societal guilt of, hey, most people only get a weekend. So why do you deserve more than that? You know, on the and and then the only reason I reasoned with myself was that I hadn't actually gone away anywhere else and I'd been working consistently on a project for days, even on weekends. So it's, you kind of have to force yourself into realizing that you're doing okay. You did plenty of work. No one is telling you you should be doing more work. This is all on you. So it's okay to go away. And like that, that reasoning, I think, is really important to point out because, you know, you are your own boss. You are a private contractor. So you make up your own rules. So you have uh you do have to do a lot of work a lot more work than just you know someone who you know potentially goes just to a nine to five but at the same time you have the luxury of being able to pick and choose your days off as long as you get that work done which it sounds like you yep. ended up doing all the work that you needed to do but you just did it on a schedule that worked for you and then you're like oh yeah. i have the 3d weekend plus an extra two days because i've earned it because i did the work and i scheduled everything around it so you... On top, and just to, just to make an excuse for myself, on top of the fact that I didn't really have much work to do anyway, you know what I mean? Like I, like it was an opportunity. It was like, hey, I know that for the next couple of months I'm going to have a project that I have to work on consistently. So if I don't go now, I'm not going to be able to go for months, and that's going to be worse, you know. So it's a bargaining with yourself. Yeah, because yeah. at that point, if you don't if you don't have that mental reset, you run into the risk of like physical burnout because you're yeah. just going all the time with no days off not only are you physically tired because you're mm -hmm. you know you're not getting proper rest and you're just working long hours but you're emotionally drained because you know you're just you're emotionally invested in running your business uh yes. interacting with all your clients and then you're an artist you're a musician so you, even though you're writing something for a client you're still trying to put you know some of your emotions you want to have some sort of feeling so you're you're emoting throughout you know this thing these things that you're creating so there's just a lot of things coming out of you it's extremely uh tiring over time
I'll let you in on this is a very a, a secret. All right, I love um, secrets. Work. It's I I know that um, music is supposed to be emotional, but getting work done should not have as much emotion attached to it as we attach to it. But that's really tough for senses like me, and so the way a therapist, my therapist back in 2008, 2009, was like, it helps to visualize wiping away the emotion. Interesting. And as soon as she said that, I was like, I already have a visualization. It's, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's not rooted in anything, but I imagine whenever I'm, um, Whenever I find myself getting emotional where I don't need to be. When it's work, it doesn't have to be emotional. When you get client notes, there's no emotion behind it. Just do the notes, right? But it's, again, it's hard for sensitive folks. So my visual is, you know, typewriters used to have like raised letters and they would, you know, yeah. I imagine a block of those together and I imagine them gunked up with like, with like not pancake batter, but like something like some kind of beige liquid. And I, what I do is I do this, I go, shh. And I imagine myself spraying those raised letters with water and rinsing away all the beige goop. Interesting. So now, there, you actually have like a physical thing that you imagine to be like, right. That I, already, that I already had in my head ready to go. And wow. I don't know where it came from, but I know for a fact that if I imagine that and I just do that, shh. And maybe it's me breathing out. I don't know. If I visual that and do that noise, I feel better. Well, if it, and, it's interesting. I think if it is related to you breathing out, like the breathing exercises is also a uh, one of the tools that like psych, uh, professionals uh, say to use if you are feeling like mm -hmm. overly anxious. I think it's interesting I, that, but, that you tied yeah. those two things together. It's got to go with the visual, though. It's yes. got to go with the visual. You know, it's, it's, yeah, a, it's a combination. Because you have not only that that physical uh, sense of like if it is linked to the breathing and like that sh sound is you know you either physically breathing or imagining that you're breathing, but you're also linking them. giving yourself your imagination. You're giving your brain something to focus on that is a physical uh, you know wipe away of yeah. the thing that is bothering you. You're giving some sort of solid form to like the thing that you know. For you know, all intents and purposes, doesn't have a physical form. It's just like yep. what you're you're focusing on in your head. So you're like, oh, I can focus on this thing and I can move it out of the way, so I can get past it. I can get over it. I can conquer. Isn't it, it funny that we have to? I always say our bodies are working against us because even though our brain is in our bodies, they're not always connected. And 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 that's that's the challenge is how do you connect what's going on in your brain, which 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 is what with what's going on in your body because I'm. I, yes, I'm an emotional, sensitive person, but I can reason like a mofo. Like I can reason anything out, but that doesn't mean I feel better physically until I do something to connect them, connect my 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 mind and body. You know? Yeah. Well, that's that's a very big thing uh, with like with you know most people in general. So you have to be able to have that physical uh, connection with something, and with something like anxiety, where like you're literally just stuck in your head you know, mm -hmm. going through like these loops. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I reason not, I guess maybe about a year or so ago, a year and a half ago at this point, uh, right around the time that I, that I started going to see a therapist for the first time, I came across a book called unwinding anxiety. 
Uh, and one of the things that he points out in uh, uh, in the book is that one of the uh, well, one of the keys to breaking you know someone's anxiety uh, loop is creating that sense of like a f- something something physical or some, mm-hmm. identifying like those physical connections. And one of the things that he he says is that whenever you're you're feeling uh, anxious, or you feel like you're 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 worried about something. You're just in that loop. Mm-hmm. Start notice. Start uh, being mindful. Start recognizing. Oh, I'm anxious. Okay. Uh, why am like? What do I feel like right now? Why am I anxious? What is it? And then take note of how you physically feel. So, like for me, uh, I ended up feeling really tense throughout most of my mm-hmm. body. There was always this sense of like. I felt warm. It felt like I was microwaved because like I would be like, mm-hmm. like I wouldn't recognize that I was comfortable. Like I was like, you know, a, a decent temperature that was, you know, I didn't, you know, that was, that was, it was nice. But like, I always felt like warm, uh, like hot, uh, like that uh-huh. sense of like, if you're embarrassed, like you get like all flushed. Oh, yeah. Like that, that was like a physical thing. I was like, I don't really like how this feels, you know, it, depending on what it was, I f- would notice, oh, I don't like uh, the sense of nausea. So like I was creating, uh, that sense of like something physical, like where you were, you know, you know, you were like, Oh, I created this visual that I can imagine that gives me that physical representation and a link to the anxiety that I can push it aside. Uh, for me, I was able to go, Oh, I don't like feeling like this. How do I make sure that I feel like I, you know, some way that I want to feel. So I, I created that physical, uh, link. And that's, that's a really important tool. I think with anybody that's dealing with, uh, any kind of anxiety is you have to mm. give yourself that physical grounding to come back to reality and not just get lost in your head and your imagination. And the, and the loop you said, the yeah, loop, that's a good way of explaining it. Cause yeah, you're just like, it, it, it doesn't get better with you doing nothing. You have yeah. to do something active to change it. Yeah. Cause like, you know, a lot of anxiety uh, or especially with like people with generalized anxiety disorder is that they, a lot of the anxiety comes from a sense of not knowing. So like not having data, you just yes. keep going in a cycle. By the way, I need to I need to come in on that because data. My therapist, the first therapist, was fantastic at no me feel me understanding why I didn't have I got anxiety, and I think it was about dating at the time, and it was about does this person like me or do, do they want to go on a second date? Mm-hmm. And she's what she said was, Barry, the issue is that you don't have enough information. You're making, you're trying to make decisions without having enough information. And that was a way to kind of uh, narrow it down to, yeah, I'm having anxiety about this situation that I know really nothing about. I mean, we can't predict other people's, um, you know, uh, you know, we can't really predict other people's actions. So therefore, we just don't have enough to know what's going to happen. But I think our body's, our survival mechanism is to try to get us to predict about what is going to happen. Despite well, the fact we don't have enough information, we don't have enough data. Well, one of the things that is pointed out in Unwinding Anxiety is that anxiety is linked to one of our ba- you know, most basic uh, emotions, which is fear. And something that we have just developed from the time you know, we first like, emerged out of like, you know, the primordial goop to keep mm-hmm. us alive. Because it's like, oh, fear, I should be afraid. You know, I don't want to get eaten by the giant saber-toothed fucking tiger that's like lurking yes. behind the bushes. And like, Which was a real threat at the time. It was. <laughs> it was very much a real threat. Uh, but now, like, that sense of fear, like, we've become more complex creatures. We've become uh, 
there's a lot more going on with us, you know, physically and and mentally, cognitively. We're we're aware that we exist. We are aware that like there's a lot of things going on, and so that the the basic primordial fear is now linked to uh, anxiety because like we are acting on the sense of we don't know. So mm-hmm. our initial mm-hmm. reaction from you know when we first started out existing was like, oh, I don't know. I should be afraid so I don't die. <laughs> well, yeah, the task was easier. The task was don't die. Well, depending. And, and, <laughs> it well, was like monkey well, versus saber-toothed tiger. Yeah. I don't know how easy that one is going to be. Well, well, but I mean, like, the task was clear. And gotcha. I think that that's, that's a modern-day issue. And what you're saying about complexity is our and data. tasks and data. Our tasks are more complex. Our goals are more complex. And we need more information than we ever have before. The information isn't. I just need to get away from this threat. And so I, you know, it's, it's like why we have the, the hero complex or like the, the hero fantasy of, oh, I just want to save the day because that's a, that's a goal that's like very specific as opposed to complex of, you know, how am I going to write this intricate piece of music that's going to please this client that I don't really know about that I've, you know, I've been working with and they know this person and this person might talk to them about this and am I living up to their values? So it's like there's like a hundred different factors when there used to be far fewer. It was grow the crops. You know, I'm simplifying everything, of course, but it's grow the crops and survive. You know, uh, you know that our tasks were so clear. And that's why when that's why these breaks of me going on bike trips or going on camping trips, the task is very clear. It's like just, and it's, and it's, it's survival. I say in quotes, but that's the goal is, you know, you're just, your only goal is to to get to the destination and keep yourself alive while doing so and enjoy the view. Um, but it's, and enjoy when the view. I, and then, yeah, but when you narrow down your, your goals and, and, and that to be said, it's, the survival book that I read was what wasn't a um, it wasn't a psychiatry book. It was a, a just it was actually a book, and I'm going to try to not go on a tangent too far. But it was a book about all these people that died in these survival situations and a, an analysis of why they died. Interesting. And the and the, the 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 biggest takeaway from that book was all survival needs to be about small manageable goals. And I believe that that's the same in my work, in my music work, is small, manageable goals. And a lot of that is, I just need, similar to writing the journal, it's just the goal is just to keep on writing because you don't know what's going to happen next until you do that first task. So I'm just going to break it down into a music thing. It's like a lot of my music ideas come from simple, simple rhythms. One of them came from a me hitting a, a, a coffee mug and then the next, you know, in a rhythm. And then I developed that into a rhythm and then I came up with this and then I came up with this and then every, all the task became clear as I navigated through it. So it's whenever you can break it down into the smallest manageable goal, you're like the task becomes easier and that always makes me feel better is when the task is clear. That, that's, a, that's a really good point. Uh, you know, a lot of things with anxiety is like people will be like, oh, you know, they'll just be like, I want to do this big thing. But yes. then like you get caught up in like the idea of the big thing and you don't uh, you don't give yourself those those smart goals, you know. Uh, yeah, because it's overwhelming. Hours. The big thing is overwhelming. Yeah. And you, you don't realize like, oh, I have to do these little things, these little baby steps in order to get to that that bigger thing that I really want to uh, get to. 
mm. that leads into a question that I, I want to ask you is, Please. do you feel, uh, have you, uh, you know, as you've like gone on in your career and you've like learned to like, you know, manage your anxiety, have you gotten to the, gotten into the habit of, uh, giving yourself like time blocks to work on things. So like, say, you know, you wait, you start, I don't know what time you start your, your work day, but do you give yourself, uh, like a set work day when you are working, do you be like, Oh, I'm going to work from like, you know, nine to five, eight to six or whatever. And then like break up your, your hours, your half hours and just be like, Oh, I have to do X, Y, and Z and give yourself tasks that way. Or do you kind of just, it was, it was recommended to me. I do so. But that doesn't mean I do it. Uh, the recommendation actually um, from a therapist was to schedule out your day and and put in timers on your phone. Now, that was too disciplined for me. So what I do now is I allow myself to start work when I want to start work, unless I have a job specifically that has a time limit, you know? Yeah. But most then of you're, my job working don't. on like, you know, the client time, like, oh, I have like a deadline. Yeah. Exactly. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to screw over a client, you know, hourly rate because I wanted to do what I, whatever I want to do. So I, if I have to write music on a given day, I have to have the whole day and I might start, I start when I start, but what I do is I set myself 30, I, I do 31 minute timers just because 30 seemed to, I don't know, 30 seemed inappropriate. And that's enough to get me from stopping social checking social media. And I find that I am so, the, the, the alarm is my discipline. And so it's not, so I, I put that up on Twitter because I follow a lot of artists on Twitter. And somebody said, oh yeah, I've got this app too that stops you from checking social media for eight hours. And I'm like, oh, that's way too big of a chunk of time. I need it to be small, manageable chunks of time for me to be able to do it. Now I'll keep on hitting that alarm. I might hit that alarm three times and all of a sudden I've got an hour and a half of work done. And I know that that scene, sorry, in this whole conversation, my mind is constantly wanting to say, but Barry, a lot of people do an hour and a half of work, you know, like, you know what I mean? There's that yeah. voice in your head. Well, well, there's, because a, I, say, I think it's, yeah, it's really yeah. important that, you know, the average person has like an attention span of about like 15 to 30 minutes. So I think the idea okay. that, the, you know, that you're pointing out, you, you sit yourself for like, 31 minute yeah, uh, yeah. time thing. It's good because one, you could, even if you don't like stop the test, you can take like a mental breather and be like, oh yeah. <sighs> okay. Back. Or so, I'll like, check, I'll check, just... yeah, do a quick check of social media. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like you, you, that is also really important too. I think, especially uh, not just if you have anxiety, but like anyone in mm. general, like to give yourself, okay, I need to breathe for a second. Okay. Cause like if mm -hmm. you just focus on the, on whatever task you're doing for hours on end without any kind of break to even if yeah, you're just no. getting up to like pee or like get a you know a glass of water you're like that's not healthy so like you you doing that having those timers to give yourself even like the the, the tiniest of little like mental breaks is i think a really good habit it's good but it's it's also about if i tell myself i'm gonna have to do music for 10 hours today that's mm -hmm. not gonna happen like that's just not how i work um and 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 the extreme situation was when I had a, a film. It was slap face, and I was I was writing the music for that. And I had COVID at the time, Oof. and so I was pretty sick. Uh, it was so intimidating to me that I had to write enough music for a feature film during this time. I remember However, you saying that like you were like when you had COVID, like you you got like winded just washing the dishes. So like yeah, 
Oh I yeah, can't even imagine and, and scoring my, a whole film. And, and my setup, able to my, breathe. Stu- my studio setup was six feet from my bed, and it didn't matter. So, in order to not feel overwhelmed by the pandemic, by the COVID, by you know the shutdowns and everything, I said to myself, Barry, if you even get three hours of work done, that's amazing. So setting, I know I broke it down now into 31 minute sessions, but, but just telling myself, I didn't have the rules were Barry, you don't have to start work before one and you don't have to work for more than three hours. And that was enough for me to get three, four five, five hours done. And I always go back to office space where, uh, you know, Ron Livingston said, I in a given week, I get about 15 minutes of work done. Mm-hmm. I like to think that Five, five hours of actual work done in music is a huge deal. And maybe I'm going to make an excuse of people do that all the time. But for me, I can get a lot done in, in three hours and four hours and five hours. Like that's a ton of music. It's, I think it's also something uh, that should be pointed out for anyone that's listening or just like even for like you and I in this conversation, everybody has their own rhythm that yes. they they work to, that they live to. So, you know, some people are just like, oh, got to wake up at like 6 a.m. and like work <laughs> all day. And, you know, like they, they somehow manage to like do it without being burnt out. Like they have like their breaks and everything. And then you have people who are just like, I'm going to wake up when my body says it's time to wake up. Uh-huh. I'm going to take, you know, three hours to like get into the swing of things and I'm going to get more work done in an hour and a half than, you know, you know, Tim down the block gets done in like a week. <laughs> and it's like, all right, you obviously have ego. superpowers. So it's <laughs> just like, so it, that's where the ego comes into it, where you're like, you're, you're comparing yourself to other people. And that's not good because I'm, and I'll, let's, let's just, let's, let's spell it out. If I wake up, my goal is to wake up no later than 8.30 every day. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not going to be a 6 a.m. person. That forcing myself to do that would not, is not going to help. So if I wake up at 8.30, I feel like I've ruled the world because by 11, when I'm finished breakfast and finished checking emails <laughs> and checking Facebook and I'm ready to work on music, it's like, I feel like I have so much time. And then, you know, I'll start timing, doing that 31 minute timer. Um, you know, the, the, the starting after one o'clock, maybe if I have a huge feature film that I can focus on, I might go back to the don't work until one, who knows, it, it's all project dependent, and it's all, you know, your surrounding dependent, but it's about knowing how you work, and not tricking yourself into mm-hmm. being like Tim down the street, because I'm not. Yeah, that that's also like really important, too. And I think, you know, for people who have anxiety, you know, you're you read or you're told or you're like you're guided especially if like you're really young and you're trying to like figure out how to do all this stuff like you're like oh i have to do it like this this and this like there's no other way and like you know that's an issue that i had you know it's like i you know uh for like the longest time even like to this day like i always struggled with like my self-esteem and my my ability to do things so like that fed it uh you know back and forth into the anxiety so like i didn't know Oh, let me just try and explore doing something my way to see like how I, you know, it, you know, works for me. I would just be like, oh, let me try it this way that this person said. Oh, it didn't work. Let me try it like how this person said. It didn't work. And I would just get it doesn't discouraged work. It doesn't until, yeah. you know, like later on in life, I was like, oh, what if I try things how my mind and my body are telling me to do stuff? And it's like, oh, I like this a lot better. And I'm getting the work done. And then, like, you know, it took me a while to be okay with, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Just going, oh, well, if someone like criticized or made a comment about like whatever, you know, what, however I was doing something, to just be like, all right, well, that's your opinion. I'm going to continue doing it this way instead of just feeling bad about doing it my way, if that made sense. And, 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 and I don't want to uh, criticize anybody else, but I feel like if somebody does criticize you for your work style, that person, I, I'm going to have to assume that that person isn't confident in their work style either. I mean, that, that, that does tend to be, uh, well, that is, that is something, but there's also like different personality types who are just like, oh, like they need to feel like they're in control and like they feel better in general because they'll be like, oh, think people are doing things in this order. Like we're someone say someone Mm -hmm. has like OCD, they have to have things done in a certain way, which OCD by the way is linked to, uh, anxiety because it's like, oh, I have to have things in a certain way or else it's going to, you know drive me crazy basically and that's there's an element of that to me um uh, i said that once you know oh i'll get ocd about this and somebody kind of corrected me i was like no no no. ocd is actually you know a very you know diagnosed issue and so you wanting things to be arranged a certain way isn't necessarily ocd so that's why i always i'm always shy away of saying but i i definitely have ocd tendencies where Mm -hmm. i always joke that i i i i work on my setup my my composer set up more than I actually work on music, you know, because I, yep. but because I like that, I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy, you know, having this here at the exact place I need it. You know, that's fun for me. Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, look, I, you get to, it's like, it's like playing with Legos as a kid. You get to like put everything together how you want it. Or it's like, you know, like arranging things. So like, you're like, Oh, I'm playing with big kid Legos. So like, Oh, I get to play with like, you know, my DIW. Yeah. I get to play with my, my computer. I get to play with my desk. I, I remember like a few let's, weeks ago, a few months ago, you were like okay. plugging stuff together. You were like building yourself like a brand new, like workstation. Let's stop pretending that we, that let's stop pretending that things we did as a kid don't matter now, or yeah. they're not exactly the same. It just in just in different light. You know, I think there's a tendency to think that, oh, you're just playing with your toys. It's like, well, that's my profession right now. So yeah, it, it it's 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 comparable to what I did as a kid, but that's that makes a lot of sense and I'm still gonna do that now. So let's stop pretending that things that kids do aren't relevant to what we're doing as well. Yeah, no, because like yeah. when you're a kid, that's literally you're a sponge. So like you're absorbing uh-huh. all this data, you're absorbing the world, you're you're absorbing, you know the the behavior of people around you so you're like oh this is how i should behave or like oh i don't like how this person is behaving i'm not going to do that so like you you're you're it, anything that you experience as a child is extremely uh in, important you know people who have say like borderline personality disorder a lot of uh you know people with bpd you know there's some sort of like traumatic event that is linked to them being uh, something that happened when they were a child or into mm-hmm. adolescence and then you know it just develops into BPD and pretending that didn't happen is, is, is the worst idea you could do, you know? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And it's like, Oh, well that, you know, it, yeah. And so that's why maybe I can relate my anxiety to things that happened when I was a kid. And I don't deny that. I know I didn't get really specific here, but that doesn't mean I can't link my anxieties to things that happened when I was a kid too, you know? Yeah. So like, um, like yeah. personal behaviors or like, uh, you, you observed someone or like, uh, you know, like if you were like, uh, reprimanded a certain way and like repeatedly, mm-hmm. like, you know, the way you, you absorb those lessons too is, is very important. You know, like we all, 
I personally believe that like how we grow and and develop is a combination of one's natural like personality and our and our you know surroundings. So like it's a combination of nature and nurture. But like you know, all the things that you 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 experience, all the things that you witness, all the things that you you learn, come into play to how things develop as you know a teenager, as an adult. And yeah, that's the one I love in 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 taking from that. Don't pretend you're somebody else, and that goes with how you act, how you work, how your what your work discipline is. Like I I'm I need I. I gave myself the permission to stop pretending I'm the 6am guy. Cause I'm not the 6am guy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like the fact that I wake up as early as eight 30 is like, ah, oh, to me. Um, <laughs> so once I, and, and even during, even during the hardest times during the, the COVID uh, me having COVID and then having the, uh, the uh, lockdowns, the way I adapted was I pretended I stopped pretending that I was the even starting at 11 a.m. guy. I, I was like, I'm not going to start till 1 p.m. And I worked from probably one to four every day. And that's all I could handle. And I got the job done. You did. And, it's and just you won an I award. Did, and I won an award, which I was. <laughs> well, then we'll get into confidence because there's a certain part of that award. You're like, well, yeah, of course I won that award. And then there's the part of you that you're like this award means everything to me and it's going to continue, make me continue working. You know, it's like, it's, it's interesting how much weight you put on the, the, an award like that any given day. Some days it's the source of your confidence. Some day it's like the, well, of course I've worked so goddamn hard. I should have won that award. You know, it's like, a, it's, you, pl- it, it's, you play it's with your like, own psyche. Yeah. No. And I think that goes back to like the anxiety too. And depending on the, where you are in the, the analysis process and how, you know, or like on the loop. Yeah. On the, or or on the you're loop. in the loop on the yeah, cycle. Yeah. 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 Well, Barry, I want to say thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much for opening up and kind of just sharing a little bit about like what it, you know, what you went through and some of the things that you, you learned to kind of overcome it and, you know, establish yourself and Mm -hmm. become comfortable in a very difficult city to live in. And you've established your, uh, a career, you know, even though you've basically been dealing with this overwhelming sense of anxiety your entire life. So I very much appreciate you taking the time and sharing with, you know, with uh, everybody. Well, thank you. And I'm just going to emphasize journaling and morning pages, two day, two pages a day, train of thought. It is a miracle worker and it's not, and it's not expensive <laughs> and it's not difficult, but it works miracles because you, we are smarter than we think we are. And we can reason with ourselves while writing this down. And it's amazing what we realize about ourselves through ourselves just by writing it down. So I emphasize that. I can't emphasize that enough. That's really good advice. And I think it's Mm -hmm. definitely a a good point to highlight as uh, as we come to a close here. Yes. Well, thank you for having me on. You're welcome, man. Oh. I truly believe that the more that we as a society uh, open up and feel comfortable sharing about our struggles, that the more it will help others realize that they are not alone. Everyone has the inner strength to face whatever life puts along their path. So thank you again for taking the time to chat and thank you to everyone that has tuned in to this episode. If anyone watching or listening finds that they are struggling with their mental health, please do not be afraid to reach out to your friends, family, or a mental health professional. I'll place a link in the description of this video that will have some information and connection to further resources. And until next time, remember, you always have the strength 
to conquer your battlefield. Thank you.